Welcome to the Glasgow Museum's podcast. In this episode, we're delighted to welcome Rachel Mimietz, an artist based in Glasgow. Rachel will be talking with Katie Bruce, producer-curator from GOMA, as part of the GOMA at 25 series celebrating the work of the Gallery of Modern Art on its 25th anniversary. Welcome to this Glasgow Museum's podcast, which is part of a series of conversations with artists, curators, partners and lovely humans we've worked with over the last 25 years for GOMART 25. This series has been generously supported by Art Fund and the Respond and Reimagine Fund. And my name is Katie Bruce. I'm one of the curators at GOMA and I'm currently with the artist Rachel Mimietz, who I first met in 2002 when she had a show, Replace, at GOMA with Susie Johnston. And we've worked together on a number of projects and shows since then, which hopefully we'll be able to chat about today. So welcome, Rachel. Hello. Hello. And um, I'm going to start with a question that we're asking everyone. Where were you and what were you doing when GOMA opened in 1996? So I was, you know, I'd, I'd left art school and had started working for North Ayrshire Council, what was then known as Cunningham District Council. And soon after that, I'd been working in communities. So I worked there and then I came back to Glasgow and, and was doing a lot more freelance work, working with people like Mischief Labas on theatre. So not actively involved in the art scene, but still going to openings. And a lot of my contemporaries were still in Glasgow because I'd came out of the environmental art department. But at that point in 1996, there was the 10-year anniversary of environmental art, which uh, I'd forgotten about. And we did a show at the fruit market just wow. along the road from Goma. So yeah, so I, I was kind of busy out in communities, working with people, making costumes for street performers, and yeah and still try to do a wee bit of my own work but I'd not been making my own work for a long time but I then started to really want to I suppose a period of making space and time to do more that juggle between doing your own practice and working in community context. So what was your first encounter with GOMA then? I was aware of the chatter of Glasgow my community, my peer group were, I guess, disappointed that things had started to change on this sort of art scene. Or, which maybe change is the wrong word, because there'd always been a really interesting, contemporary, thriving art scene in Glasgow, going back to like the Third Eye Centre and all that. But I guess there was this new group of people who were really at the cutting edge of stuff and really felt confident about asking curators and artists through transmission to have a voice and be visibly seen. And at that point, when GOMA had opened, there was no representation of that. And that had been a bit of an issue. But I can see why those conversations hadn't happened. It was addressed. But I think there was maybe GOMA carried a bit of stigma about that. I don't think they really needed to because they did what they thought was going to be the right thing for the city. But I think it might not have been powerful or challenging enough for the arts community Mm -hmm. who probably wanted a, a space that could actually look at contemporary practices. Yeah, because it's the same, you know, Gomer opened the same year as Douglas Gordon won the Turner Prize yeah. as well, and yeah. he was not represented in that first wave yeah. of ac- acquisitions or ac- exhibitions at that time either. Well, I guess it's a learning process, isn't it? If you had to take your time again, how would it look? Yeah, I <laughs> honestly don't know, because 
Yeah. I, I wasn't in the city at the time either, and it, it may well look the same. And like all things, we go back and we look at some of the interesting work that came in 1996 that maybe with a different curatorial team working on it, we mm. might not have seen them. Yeah. And those works are exactly. incredibly relevant now. We do have a much greater representation of those artists and your peers that you were chatting about there mm-hmm. in the collection these days. Mm-hmm. And again, younger artists now are asking questions about who we're collecting and of them and their peers. So it, it's a constant kind of yeah. evolution I guess that anyway. It's part of an artist's job, really, yeah. to make those observations, challenges, to be provocateurs. Yeah. So that was then, as you say, people are up, they've got new questions, new things they're asking. It's, it's a good thing. It should be celebrated. And so it took six years from opening for you and Susie's show yes. to be in Goma? Yes. But you showed elsewhere in Glasgow before then, because it's like you're saying in 1996 you were starting to look at your practice. Yeah. Yeah. Had a couple of shows at Transmission, but that was quite early. So that was like 91 was the last show I did in uh, Transmission. But then I did a, a residency in a psychiatric hospital in Dumfries in the Crichton for a year. And then applied to do a master's and went back to Glasgow School of Art. That's where I met Susie when we were doing our master's. And then we got the opportunity to show in Goma. We were invited to look at it from the site-specificness of it and do a lot of research about the building, which there wasn't really that much available. But we both looked at it as a domestic space, having once been this domestic space. And so we took separate spaces in the gallery. It was called Replace. It's weird because it feels like such a long time ago. And now because of Black Lives Matter and looking at the awareness of the fact that it was this tobacco baron's house, the angle that I took was that I was looking at this domestic space and it did evolve around plants and imagery around growth. And I guess we were both interested in pattern at that point. And I reclad one of the rooms and then repapered it with these flopped collage cut out pieces of card that had this materiality of wallpaper. But it was almost like an idea of sort of drawing out the past. Didn't touch on the fact that this was owned by somebody who made his wealth through slavery. But I guess it touched on the idea of wealth and this domestic space. Yeah, that acknowledgement mm. of history and wealth is a much more recent point that we've been exploring through the building. And mm. I think at the time that you would have been working would have been on the tail end of an 80s and 90s regeneration around the merchant city and that idea mm. of celebration of wealth that built the city yeah. in a very, very different way than we're thinking about it now Mm. and also what I know from working within museums as colleagues in the Scottish History Department and other organisations across the city they've also done a lot more research into the history of the building into the history of William Cunningham Mm. in the history of empire and slavery within Glasgow so there is much more information Mm. available than would have been at the time that you and Susie were working. I think now that we are more aware. We've all had to look at our own micro prejudices and racism. If I was to do that show again, it would probably be something totally different. But it was a really good experience to have the opportunity to show in the gallery. And I suppose what's interesting with my sort of pattern of exhibiting is it has been through the local authority and the museums predominantly, sort of tramway 
yeah, in Goma twice in both venues. So uh, interesting for that. Re- well, many in, in, in the sense of like Goma, there was many more shows because of the socially engaged practice yeah. as well. Which I guess we can move on to just now because although I'd started just before your show opened, so we met really briefly. Mm-hmm. I wasn't based in. Goma and I remember you coming in and we were all sort of working on the floor and they're like, well, this is a new person start to work. Well, hello. <laughs> <laughs> Little did we know. <laughs> I know. Yeah, we first started working together on 2004 on Elbow Room. Yes. And that was in the second of the social justice programmes on violence against women. Mm. And I had secured some funding from the then Scottish Arts Council, now Creative Scotland, to work with you and Anne Elliott and another colleague of mine, Janice Sharp, on, I suppose, what became a new way of working for us in terms of artists working with groups Mm -hmm. to make work together for exhibitions. So it wasn't just the artist's work Mm -hmm. and it would be shown in one of our main spaces. That was an amazing, really interesting time working with great artists. And it was just really rigorous and dialogue and really you know that that I suppose thinking about the conversation we've just had the rigor that went into elbow room was really quite something and also allowing the time for that to happen and to extend the time almost it almost felt we needed more workshops and then they were provided so we got the space and the time to do it properly yeah that was a powerful piece of work but also a really good time in the sense of reflection about my own work and how I work with people it actually did push my practice forward and there was lots of good conversations and it was a powerful work around women's issues. Yeah because it wasn't easy for any of us involved and like you're saying we'd we'd got a rough timetable in mind and actually as we started working with the different groups and pairs of so we split off into pairs of artists working with four different groups and then we'd come together to discuss it. But we also had Jeanette from the Women's Support Project as, as almost like a supervisor for yes. us for some yeah. of the difficult issues that were coming up. And we began to realise that it was going to take a lot longer to produce a show yes. that meant something to everyone involved rather mm-hmm. than it just being us as artists pushing that further forward. Yes. Yeah. Which was quite scary for, from an organisational perspective because... Yeah. Organisationally, you want to know what work is coming in so that you can plan all the technician and the conservation and the time with that. And we were really pushing it, I think, right up until mid-November and it was opening up on International Human Rights Day on the 10th of December as to... What a good memory you've got. Actually, I think the Labyrinth of Life, that was even at the end of November and it still had to be edited. So it really, it was a real learning curve for us as an institution as Mm, well about... mm. It's not about the end result, it's about the process. And the process really had to drive where we were going with that exhibition. Yeah, yeah. And I think it showed yeah. in, and the final, in the final show that we were able to put on. Cause it was and lots of learning across yeah. the board. That learning then supported the next body of work for, for me personally. Then if, if you go back in time, retrospectively now you think, oh, I could have done something totally different. But that is, as you say, just part of that process. And it, it was a really interesting time. It was a challenging time. And we had to be really careful and look after people on that yeah. journey as well. Um, I know 
you know, that, that's that bit of working there for a long time and also having a relationship with you over a long time is you do realise with the long view, things that you're able to achieve and uh-huh. things that matter and things that are really important yeah. about the work that you do. Yeah, I suppose it's also that thing where how long I've been working in community context, but sometimes projects are motivated or driven by different things and the outcomes and the outputs are, are different. And I don't, I don't think I had a clear idea how I define my practice at that time. So, I, you know, you're learning on the job, so to speak, as well. So, so yeah, it was just challenging, but interesting yeah, and just get to work with like Anne and Janice. Yeah. You know, they they were there was just lots of chat, lots of dialogue, lots of space for that to happen in Goma. You know, Goma was really willing to explore that, and you especially began to understand the thing that was important was that people were given enough time to really get it right, even though we were taking it totally to the wire. <laughs> and if we had another month, we probably would have done more and more and more. But uh, I, I think you know, sometimes you just have to stop, and it is that is what it is. I was learning too because it was my first institutional job. Because my previous job was working within the NHS within an art therapy department, mm. and I'd done a master's in gallery study, so I had an understanding about museum work. But having worked through the art therapy department and working with Simon Willoughby Booth and Joanna Pierce, just learning about person centred yeah. approaches to working, and then trying to apply that model in a museum context took some time. Yeah, I think that's and, really interesting. And also, yeah, so I was learning at the same time through that process about how to push institutionally what we could do, how we could work off-site. And for me, what's really important is that threshold that GOMA does so well, actually. Once you invite it over that threshold, people will return you know, it's one of the few sort of gallery museums. I th- oh, Kelvin Grove, apart from that, because Kelvin Grove is just like, you know, that is just Glasgow. And it's just like, it's like a front room for many people. They, there's, there's no fear in going into that building. But that GOMA, Contemporary Art Building, what all those projects, those bodies of work, the social justice did, was that the audiences that then got able to cross over that threshold and then felt confident about crossing that threshold... So I think that's what's really powerful about it as well. And when people realise that this is their building, yeah. So I wonder about the women that we worked with. I think that's the thing. You kind of think, oh, we'll, we'll be in touch with these people forever. But of course you're not. And But you wonder what has been the impact. You know, how, do people still go? How Do they now bring their children? Are people now having an, engaged with art on a different level yeah because I remember sort of 10 years so it must be about around about 2015 I got a call out of the blue from one of the women that you'd work with in the Redwood Women's Centre uh-huh. and she was phoning up to ask me if I had a copy of the poem that was hers that had been read out at Labyrinth of, oh, of yes. Life uh-huh. and she just started to say that you know she'd been in a really difficult spot at mm. that time when she was doing that project and it had been quite chaotic and since then she'd managed to get further support had managed to move on to other things and was now oh it was in 2015 had got into university to start a degree and you know that point where often you have the evaluation is done at the point of when you finish the project because you've got funding you've also got that moment of self-reflection and like you say it's been such an incredible coming together that you're going to remain in contact and for various reasons 
certain things don't happen. I remember particularly about Redwood Women's Centre who we went back and said, look, this has been amazing. Do you want to carry on? And they all went, no. <laughs> but I think also for them, it had been really important. And then when this woman came back to me, she just kind of acknowledged at the time that she hadn't realised what it meant. Mm. But sort of on reflection, looking back, hence she was looking for this poem that she'd written that had got lost. She hadn't kept hold of it herself at that time. And I think that's really quite amazing. And I do occasionally come across people that we've worked with. Yeah, I think it's the the invisible stuff, isn't it? A lot of the work or the impact of the work is invisible and it's really hard to measure it. So there just has to be an understanding that there has been something made or created and experience has been had and also just a continuing invitation to have an ongoing dialogue with a building or an institution and you, you could only make that the other person has to then sort of go right I'm, I'm taking that yeah. up yeah that feels really nice that she felt she could phone up and know that I might yeah. still be there yeah. and might still have this poem as it's well it's great it's really good but that's happened a few times like even to me like, people get in touch through other projects or seeing your name or a piece of work and then suddenly go, oh yeah, I was at school and you did that project. And you're like, oh God, yeah. And, but you, at the time thinking, oh, I don't know if this is working, you know, how successful is this? But that person then going, oh no, that, that was really great. And, you know, and her saying, I now take my kids to museums and galleries. And I guess you're, you're breaking down that fear. Yeah. If, you, if you've not from a community that uses those buildings, and I guess predominantly those are the communities that I'm interested in working with. I'm just sort of thinking about that fear, or I'm maybe trying to segue too much into the next strand of work that we did with you, which was you were the first associate artist mm-hmm. at GOMA, which has continued on and Rona Warwick Patterson is currently finishing her tenure just now, but we started this out, we kept in touch and we were having conversations about the dualities in your life in terms of practice, one through your own solo practice, but then also this interest in communities, which again was a similar kind of thing that Goma was going through because it did, had an exhibition programme which was part of its broader public programme. It had a much broader outreach programme with communities. The learning and access was at the heart of it, but we were struggling to think about what it means for us as a building. And I guess we started to come together around questions that were of interest to both of us Uh and then developed it into what you and I termed as mutual curiosity. And then became the associate artist as a way of giving ourselves both time to explore this because it was a period of change for Goma because we'd finished the last social justice programme, which was a core part of my role in 2009. And it was at that point of post-financial crisis, post-rethinking what we are as a building, Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. which was really quite a nice time to invite you in to work with me and really look at some of those questions. Yeah, but it was sort of like, what what is this? I don't understand. It took us ages to kind of go, well, it could be this, it could be that. I was very used to being given a brief on a way and then sort of like, okay, I can do that. But then it's like, well, what would you like to do? So and it was really good that we had this dialogue around mutual curiosity and thinking about the idea of play, which yeah. became this sort of stimulus because it was, when I make work, it's about play. And that research that we took, or that journey that we took, and a 
Atelier Public. It was just brilliant. I really, really loved that as a piece of work. I just thought it was amazing what happened in that space and what we were not prepared for. Yeah. <laughs> well, yeah. How much was going to happen in that space and also the how dangerous it felt for the building and the museum in a way as well because it was like, what if people had pens? What if they wrote on other bits of artwork and you know so it, there was a kind I might of I just need to explain here what uh, oh yeah you might have to <laughs> so Atelier Public was a gallery space that Rachel and I developed our thinking around the adventure playground and play and the studio to being an open studio where we left materials in the gallery for the public to make the artwork essentially quite a simple idea but actually as Rachel said and, and open up all sorts of ethical yeah. um, questions. Yeah, because it's like... Dangerous what? ideas of anarchy within yes. a gallery and <laughs> museum space. So, yeah, so it, it was all of that, wasn't it? And it was almost like we didn't have the capacity to record it all. The gallery tra- assistants would record it daily, but it was depending on what they were interested in. So this idea of flawed went through... A lot of it because we had no idea who was making work and we were working with quite a number of artists and thinkers and therapists as well yes. in that space and some of them made work some of them don't know that they did some of them couldn't make work and some just observed and some just observed yeah it was just really interesting but also then it also became about things riffing off each other you know artworks were made and then suddenly there was a whole collection either of words or signs or there was the hula hooping panda that were like two three versions of or that the, or the <laughs> civil engineering student coming in and building yeah. bridges but then this idea of display and pride but also it wasn't a new idea really no. it had been revisited through our research we can't remember the, the, oh, the pally nielsen's the yeah. model which was in late 60s in yeah Stockholm. yeah, so, yeah. And also, it wasn't a new one but no and also more for children and parents could observe everybody yeah, on the yeah. cafe. So that had a, a we decided to shift that, that it's it's bit, everybody. It yeah. was a bit of an edge there. It was yeah. just like... But also that did feel a bit odd as well, that the children were observed. Yeah. But it, I guess, you know, all the research about playgrounds after the Second World War and bomb sites and just like adventure playgrounds and the whole history of that. So you had come with a lot of knowledge uh, about that, that those worlds. And what was interesting is then when we started to talk about it, when we were invited to speak about it, I just think, oh God, is this going to be enough? You know, But people were really engaged in it from the outside looking in, thinking about what almost like a bold idea this had been in that space. So I remember Sarah Schultz came over from the Walker Arts Centre yeah. in Minneapolis. Uh-huh. So this is probably 2013, 14 They'd done open field, which was on a massive scale using the outside space yeah. and, and bore out in the cat video festival yes. eventually. Yeah. And she'd come over through an invitation. We'd met and we started to look at the idea. And I think she'd come over with the idea of taking the telly public back to the walker. And just before she left, she was thinking that she probably couldn't. It was just too anarchic. It would never get through there exhibition programming and by this point I think we were on Telepublic Mark II uh-huh. which was later on which I know you weren't involved in but yeah it did like you said it had an edgy feel about uh-huh. it in uh-huh. that space and it would be quite a political space at time I remember Absolutely. that we are the 99% was in the first one 
where we were and people started putting that across the gallery space and then the second one it was Sochi Olympics so there was LGBT rights stuff that was going in there mm -hmm. it was also being used by homeschool learners yeah. and teaching purposes outside of school which was just really interesting because these were things that we'd never thought about within the gallery space where you spend your whole time doing a formal learning program in response to exhibitions and actually by creating this open space people came in to yeah. use it as a as yeah. an actual studio or learning space I think for me workshops or working in community or engagement I always have this sort of tension about my practice is it a socially engaged art practice I don't know if it is do I facilitate I think I probably do more and now I just feel as if I just open the door and it's just like the room's open and there's there's dialogue there's discussion and there's materials and there might be an activity that you know I can share but actually what I'm more interested in what do you want to do? Where do you want to take it? Reflecting back, that was kind of the start of that change. But it takes confidence, experience and knowledge to know that that actually works. And it is just a joyous thing. Mm -hmm. And you just got to remember it's how you make art and how you feel about it. And why would anybody feel any different? But it's just given that space and that time. And yeah, some good chat and a cup of tea. You can't really go wrong. For me as well in terms of learning in the museum and the feedback from the front of house team because it was a completely different space for them because mm. they're normally giving information or asking people to just not touch the objects whereas within this space it was very different for them so even they were making yeah. in that space because yeah. it was a totally different permissible space to work in which was just really exciting for a period of time. Yeah. I mean, I, I quite like the fact that Goma's one of those buildings now that I know how you get in the back door. I guess just because of the way that I work, the people that I work with, there's buildings that I feel I can just operate in as a visitor, but there's an acceptance of, oh, that's, that's okay, or I'm just known, or the staff. So some of the staff, even from that period of time, I still see, but they definitely felt that people on all levels were engaging with the work and we did workshops with the staff I remember as well yeah. to make things yeah also quite challenging conversations still to this day with people going is that art that think there's always a tension between maybe something that's shown that somebody maybe just doesn't like you know and that's yeah. that's okay yeah that space atelier public just inverted mm -hmm. for a lot of people yeah the culmination of that two-year period was the exhibition plow mm-hmm in your timeline, I would say that's one of the really significant exhibitions that I had. Yeah, I'm trying to think of what came first. It was at the end, wasn't yeah. it? Because I was still I was working with Red Road Nursery, yeah. and I was allowing them to do exactly what I was doing in the studio. So they were painting onto National Geographic's in their nursery, and I was doing it in my studio. And then I was constructing them into almost like these colour fields, with a little bits of evidence of the page underneath and then these amazing paintings by these little people that were just absolutely joyous. So those were exhibited at a child-friendly height at one end of the room and then I had an Horatio McCulloch 
painting at the other. So I was interested... Which you inverted, let's just yeah, say. Yeah. <laughs> you didn't well, just take a painting from the collection, Rachel. You asked it if we could invert it. I do like looking at paint, and this is, again, is yeah. something that's maintained in my practice about looking at something from a different perspective or taking a journey through a painting. But when you turn it upside down, you don't think, oh, that's a hill. You have a new landscape to look at that you've never been, not seen before. So it was lovely to have this chocolate box painting of our Scottish landscape. And then on the other side, you had these intuitive, free, expressive marks that, yeah, really hard to do when you're yeah. an adult. I mean, if I'm being really honest, I still have one of those little paintings. <gasps> I couldn't help it. I kept one. <laughs> I was going to say, that child would be... I know, 16, I know. That also would be really interesting to find out about those young people. Yeah, because they had their own show in another space in the gallery. They were included in your exhibition, but they also had their own show, Watercolours, which yeah. had a wee video and things. Yes, yeah. I think that was also really interesting for the staff in the nursery, so that when I worked with the children, it was much more about you know, person-led, them yeah. doing what they wanted to do, and exploring ideas and providing really lovely quality paint and proper paintbrushes and scissors. They really made some amazing things. And it would be amazing to think that some of those experiences had had some sort of impact on their lives moving forward. So, yeah, who knows? I guess that's highlighting the fact that you don't actually know the impact quite often. No, or you occasionally find out, not related to this, but there was a dad that had brought his son to the Saturday Art Club for a number of years uh-huh. and then came in to go and I happened to be speaking to him for another reason. He said, oh yeah, my son's now at art college having come through all of the Saturday Art Clubs. So again, it's just like those yeah. that are there. And like you say, the, the offer of the public programme yeah. and the space for people to come and either look or participate in what yeah. they want to do and it have that impact on, on what they want it to be, yeah, really. Yeah, I mean, there was some powerful work made, and Plough was a real stepping stone into thinking about the practice, and then I went on to do a, a residency with Scottish Natural Heritage and push those ideas further again. It's all connected, isn't it? So That does lead me on to another one of my questions that I was thinking about, was how the relationship... With Goma, and I guess Glasgow Life, you were saying you'd worked with the arts team, you'd had residencies in Hidden Gardens, mm. you'd shown at Tramway a couple of times. So how's that informed your development? Well, so and I guess where you works now? Yeah, I guess my exhibiting CV, it really is the rungs of the ladder are all kind of within those institutions, to be honest. Very few have been out with. I've received a lot of support and freedom you know, when you think about coming up with an idea, you know, our discussions from turning a painting upside down to this, make this gallery into a studio. Yeah, it's been there for me and I think I've also fed into to your thinking as well. Oh, so, completely. So yeah. it's been a bit of a symbiotic relationship, I suppose, and working at the Hidden Gardens, which is a part of Glasgow Life, but exhibited in tramway for the end of that residency. It was meant to be for GI but the new front gallery wasn't ready so it had to be postponed. But I'd also at the end of my Masters got, got one of the Dark Light Awards mm-hmm. and so I'd exhibited it in, in the space again. So yeah, you have been there. You know, it's been a kind of supportive 
relationship really and giving me lots of opportunities to push my own practice as well as my practice with people and also just those really tough questions about what it is you do and what you want to do how you want to move forward so those all those things I think I was probably a wee bit more uptight about it all in the past but now I'm just I think that's just age you just get a bit more relaxed about it and just think well it is what it is you know it's I'm not easily pigeonholed I think and who is I think it's easier when you talk about or you have to write about your work or you have to apply for something that you know you have to construct this narrative and it's never really that simple no it's not because I went to see your show at Stalingrad that was on October yes Scape yeah which was really incredible because I've not seen a show of yours for a wee while but I I would say that Plough really was the last show that I did and it was really exciting because the work had definitely moved in so many different places and you were working with ceramics but it was also really lovely to still see that painterly approach to painting on paper that you'd started what particularly around the National Geographic, but that was still there. But then you pushed it further to have that enlarged and then printed on material, which gave it a totally different sensation when you were in the space. I mean, it does feel like a progression from Plough, for sure. They definitely are linked, and they're both about the same thing. But there's just this maybe... I described it as lots of different threads of research, of work with different communities and things that I've been doing for over the past few years... And then just having this opportunity to then pull it together in a, a space was was a really nice opportunity. So, yeah. So I've been asking people, if there's any work that you would have from Glasgow Museum's collection or mm. Goma's collection, well, that's what would you is isn't it? <laughs> oh. I know you're spoiled for choice in some ways. Well, my first instinct would be I'd probably look at a Joe Neardley, a, a landscapey Joe Neardley would be... Yeah, that would be nice. And and something a wee bit more content. That's the thing. It would be really good to just like spend time going to Knits Hill and going through that store and just seeing what all the things that are there. Yeah, it'd be nice to find a wee kind of lost item. And There's of, nothing lost in our store. What do you know what I mean? <laughs> but just kind of like lost from my memory, let's yeah. just say. Hmm, what would you have? I'd always said there's a um, time span by Town Joseph. I right. loved it just because it was in pod four uh-huh. for years and it would never fit through my front door <laughs> but yeah I just really loved the energy of it mm-hmm. and then oh, it's really hard you get really close to certain things that you acquire yeah and I think so you'll have more knowledge of what's there so I, I'm kind ways, of like yeah I think just more recently there's a beautiful painting by Carol Rhodes that's oh, yes, in nice. the beauty. Yeah, that's good. And yeah. it is just stunning. So yeah. but yeah, it would be hard to choose. What about a video piece or something along those lines? Would you is there anything? Oh yeah. No, I'm not going through a blanket. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry. Well in some ways I would absolutely love to just sit and stare at Disorient by Fiona Tan <laughs> a lot of the time. But let's just say my front room's not <laughs> <laughs> That's good. That's really good. What was, is there another question? Or is, that... is there anything you wished you could have done or is there any ideas that you've proposed to us over the years that we've just said no that you really wished we'd gone with? No, I don't think so. I think there's always been a 
I mean, I think I applied to do elbow room. I think I had an interview, you know what I mean? It was mm-hmm. like that scenario, and that was the way into that work. So, and I've also supported other community groups putting yeah. exhibitions up in the space. So I think that's the thing about that space. There's always going to have to be that dialogue and that ladder training. And <laughs> things, things like, but just because that's the nature of the institution, there's always hoops, let's just call them. And I think I, I don't see the hoops, I just see a solution. And, and maybe that can be sometimes quite challenging. But God love you, Katie, you've always managed to pull it through. <laughs> so, yeah, I don't think there's anything. I mean, more recently, you know, I've been taking groups again over lockdown because of running spaces for people to be creative but also taking groups to see things has been really good and people now realizing that that space is theirs as well so as we talked about that before but so for me it's just like the fact that it's there and the fact that hopefully work is always going to be challenging Sometimes there's going to be things that are familiar, like, you know, the collections or curated shows that join or make new connections. So as long as it's, I think, it's Goma's future, as long as it's kind of pushing the boundaries a bit, but also offering, yeah, a safe space for some of the things that have taken it on that journey, that are looked after, that can be seen again, then I think that's, that's its job really, isn't it? Thank you, Rachel. It's been a real joy to kind of sit and chat to you again. It's been a a wee while, so I really, really appreciate you taking the time. No, it's been my pleasure. Well, that's all we have time for in this episode of the Glasgow Museums podcast. If you've enjoyed and want to hear more, you can find more episodes available on Apple, Spotify, Google Podcasts and on SoundCloud too. Just look out for Glasgow Museums. Until next time... Thanks for listening.